You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K23. I myself, Momuti, alongside me, the one, the only, Mr. BJ Armstrong. Real name. No gimmicks, bro. No gimmicks today. <laughs> well, let's get right to mm-hmm. it. There was no gimmicks yes, from the sir. Miami Heat. At home, you know, we'll talk about the Warriors and the Lakers a little bit later in the show. First, we've got to start with the Miami Heat versus the New York Knicks. Miami Heat held down home court with the impressive 105-86 victory over the New York Knicks. Jimmy Butler, do you know what Jimmy Butler does? He got hot early in the game. I think he finished with uh, 28 points, but he went on a nice little 10-point run in the first quarter to get himself going. Um, you know, Bam added 17, Max Drews added 19, and they really got under the skin of the Knicks a little bit, you know. Um, early on in the game, I think it was like the start of the second quarter, the Heat went on like a 12-2 and two run. RJ Barrett threw the ball in anger after he got called for a foul, got technical for that. Um, you know, and then Knicks started out zero from seven from behind the arc. Heat get out to like, what, a 19-20 point lead um, early in the second quarter. And then it was just downhill from there. We had a little bit of... Um, a little bit of a I don't want to call it an altercation it was just a lot of kind of shouting and a little bit of pushing between some of the players a um, little scrum it's a little scrum no no BJ I used to play rugby this is light <laughs> compared to a scrum this is this is um just some some pushing and shouting you know it's Saturday night right now right go into the west end of London you'll see drunk guys doing more than what the he and the Knicks were doing mm. on the court. A far cry from the battles okay. they used to have in the 90s. Um, but yeah, I think it was... Uh, who, who was it? It was um, Cody Zeller pushed Julius Randle um, while he was trying to go up and score. And then Isaiah Hartenstein pushed Cody Zeller. And then Cody Martin came in. And it was Jimmy Butler was laughing about it. I was laughing about it. You were laughing about it. Um, but yeah, the game ends uh, with the Knicks getting destroyed in another game by the Heat. Um, and it doesn't really bode well moving forward in the series. There wasn't really anything I saw from the Knicks where I was like, okay, nice. They can adjust and move on to the next game with this. What did you see in this one? Well, you know, you know, when you have these, you know, you have these moments, right? Every game, every series takes on a, a personality. Every game takes on a new challenge. This was a big challenge for the New York Knicks. And the Knicks have to play with a certain sense of desperation because they have to win a game here in Miami at some point, right? They only have two more chances to do it. Yeah, because Miami stole the first one in New York. Yes. And for them to come out with this sense of urgency, you're like, huh? You know, you're like, okay, like, this is what it is. You know, like, you know, I, I was expecting them to come out play hard, not not that they were necessarily going to win this game, but at least to play with a certain sense of, you know, urgency, desperation that was going to allow them to say, okay, we can put together a full 48 minutes or maybe we had a bad second quarter or whatever the case may be. But I certainly didn't expect a dominant performance by the Miami Heat. I just didn't expect that. But they were dominant. Their bench was terrific. Kyle Lowry to me looked like like he turned back the hands of time. I mean, he came out and just played terrific off the bench. 
you know, the Struce kid was Jimmy Butler. It just, he just, without question, he's the best player in the series and just a dominant win. So if you watch the game tonight, you're, you're, you know, Mo, basically from my perspective, they've outplayed the, the Knicks in three straight games now. And remember what I said yesterday. I said, if the Knicks want to win this, they simply have to come in and outwork and out hustle the Miami Heat. But that urgency and that, that grind wasn't there from New York. Well, I, I don't know if you're going to outwork the Knicks. You know, the, the, the Knicks, I mean, you know, I don't know if you're going to outwork the Heat, right? I mean, they're the best. They're one of the best conditioned teams in the league. Um, they're the, one of the hardest working teams in the league. And I don't know if you're just going to outwork them. However, you got to get the matchups and you're going to have to perform better than them when it's time to perform. And right now, the Knicks, you know, I, I'm not sure what it was, Mo, but it didn't, they didn't look connected out there. You know what I mean, Mo? You know how you, you know, you're a team and you can see the connection. You know, this is how we're going to try to play as a group on the offensive end, a group on the defensive end. They just looked disconnected for 48 minutes. I mean, there yeah. was not one moment in the game where you say they were connected. So maybe you can just chalk it up as a bad game. But certainly, most something didn't look right to me with the Knicks. They, I mean, if I can just say what I saw, you know, they really looked, they looked confused. Like they didn't know, you know, they didn't know what was going on. I mean, you, you they come out of a timeout and the execution of the, the, the heat was just like, wow, they, it was, they were crisp, right? They didn't necessarily play well. But they were crisp. They, they make were like the getting... right reads. They play, you know, they make yeah, the right reads. They, they just... play solid defense. They move the ball. It's like textbook basketball that's supposed to be playing. On the other side, Tom Thibodeau, you know, they won game two, but it wasn't a convincing win against a, a Heat side that didn't feature Jimmy Butler. And it really seemed like he didn't make many adjustments in this game. And some of the rotation, excuse me, some of the rotations confused me a little bit. I know Josh Hart. That I'm a huge Josh Hart fan, right? You won't find anyone who mm -hmm. appreciates this game more than myself. But because he's become such a solidified piece of this team now, he's put up 38 minutes tonight. It's really affecting em uh, Emmanuel Quickly, Quinton Grimes, and Miles McBride because now you've got Brunson who's going to get big minutes and you're going to get Josh Hart who gets big minutes. We leave in not a lot of time for these guys coming in off the bench. When you look at what they were doing earlier in the year, the lineup with Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Randall, and Robinson were absolutely dominant in like the 500 plus minutes they shared the court together. We've not seen them together yet on the court so far in this series. Mm -hmm. So the other one that concerns me is if Julius Randle is going to go 0 from 5 from 3 and 4 from 15 and get 10 points in 40 minutes, you've got Obi Toppin right there. And when you play Toppin mm -hmm. instead of Randle, you play a nicer brand of offense. Like, in terms of generating looks, they play at a faster pace. They move the ball more. I like what Toppin brings. I'm not saying he's better than Julius Randle. I'm just saying when you need an injection of offense into this team, when the Heat are making their run, maybe it would be an idea to give him more than 15, 16 minutes off the bench. So, you know, I'm looking at Tom Thibodeau with, with this one and saying, did you prepare your guys? And do you have, a okay, an adjustment? If, okay, we're down, what can I do to turn this game around? I just didn't really see a lot of that tonight from him. 
Well, you know, I'm look, I'm I'm not questioning anything that they what their preparation. However, you know, you got to meet the intensity of the game. So without question, as a group, you know, I think the Knicks group would say, hey, we didn't match the competitive spirit that the game required for us to win this game. The better team, the more competitive team, the more physical team won tonight. Just bottom line. Now, we could talk about offense and all those things. You know, I think, Mo, the one thing that you and I know and and our listeners know here, because, I mean, you have to say it, you know, making shots cures all of your problems. Now, they didn't shoot particularly well. However, not boxing out, not getting – not getting loose balls, not giving yourself second chance opportunities, so forth and so on. Those are correctable things that you can do. So hopefully we'll see that level of intensity that's needed to win in the playoffs, especially on the road in game four. But it certainly wasn't there in game three for whatever the reason may be. I don't know if the Cavs were that bad or if the Knicks used all their energy on the first round series because this doesn't look like the team we saw take apart the Cleveland Cavaliers in that first round. So I don't know. I'm quite concerned from well, I mean, mobile, I mean, but we, we can't say that. We, it, I mean, look, I guess we, we can say it, but, but Mo, I mean, this is a different team. Like these Bam Adebayo and this team is a different team. They, te- they play a different brand of basketball. So, you know, there's always two games going on on the floor. And, and when I was a young kid, I had a coach, he would say, okay, there's two games going on. Well, well, it's only one game, Coach. What are you talking about? He said, there's the fight inside of the game. And then there's the actual game. Now, we're not going to go over 2. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not going to go over 2. Now, the thing that was most disappointing about this Knicks game tonight was the Heat were the most physical team on the court. They won that fight. Then they won the game. By all accounts, they were over two. Now, all right, you won tonight, you shot well, but you're not going to be more physical than us. You're not going to outwork us. You're not going to be in better condition than us. I mean, there were some plays that happened today that you just go, okay, now, those are effort and energy plays at this point during this during the season. Now, if a team shoots exceptionally well, you know, they have everything going, I can live with that one. But Mo. This was, by all accounts, a winnable game. So I'm like, it's not like the Heat played exceptionally well, mm-hmm. you know, especially statistically. So that's what was most disappointing about it. And when the skirmish came, hmm. the Heat were the more physical team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, let's just call it like it is. Now, let's see if the Knicks are going to respond to this. They have to respond in order for them to even have an opportunity to win the game. Because I can assure you, when you have these little skirmishes like that, you have to stand up and meet that intensity head on and then play, start playing the game. So the Heat, they won both games today. They were the most physical team and they won the game. And I'm sure that's going to give them a lot of confidence. And like you said, I mean, I don't know what Jimmy was laughing at, didn't didn't seem like it didn't seem like I, the other team wasn't laughing. <laughs> okay, but he was laughing. 
So maybe they know something we don't know. I'm not out there on the court, but that if I was the Knicks in the on the team, that would bother me I, because you have to meet that. I want to ask something, and it will sound really kind of psychotic, but I have to ask it. We know Jimmy Butler's playing on a bad ankle, right? Would you not think as a coach to kind of target him a little bit more when he's on defense to kind of go at him, make him really work? We even saw him limping at some point throughout the game after he took a little fall. Well, would you not? Would that not cross your mind to say, okay, cool, let me test out how good his ankle's actually working? Or is that just a really evil thought to say out loud? Well, here, here, here's what I would do. If, if you ask me, how would I attack Jimmy Butler first? I'm going to I'm going to try to be disruptive to him in this regard. I'm not going to show him just one look for the entire game. I'm I'm talking about when he's on defense. Yeah, when he's on defense, that's when that's when I'm going to target him, right? I'm yeah, I'm going to target him and say, you know what? I'm going to I I want him to react to what I'm doing. And I don't know if there's anyone on the Knicks that has that capability. So who are you going to target him with? Like. I don't think RJ Beard is like just an mm-hmm. offensive player who can play. I think he has to play within the offense. I think there he can do that some, but I don't think he's that player. I don't think Julius Randle is a player that, you know, you can just isolate him. You know, their press probably isolation player is Brunson, Jay, is Brunson but I don't think he has the size to consistently get around the taller stronger Jimmy Butler. And, and even if he Jay does, Bam Adebayo is waiting for him in the paint. Yeah. So they, they're they connected on the defensive end. So I think the support that they have and their team defense is really good. So I don't think you're going to be able to target Jimmy Butler. However, where I do think you can target him is on the defensive end. It's just go at him, right? Sometimes you double him. Sometimes you switch. Sometimes you show a zone. Maybe you might show a, a, a zone in one, you know, a, Sometimes you might trap him in the backcourt. I think you got to get him to where he doesn't feel that every time he catches the ball, he's just going to attack you. Yeah. I mean, there's no, hes he's playing literally with no hesitation. Yeah. Like he's very he's having fun. On the like he's just balling. Yeah. Like. yeah. 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 So, you know, I, it, it, you know, like for instance, you know, when he drives to the basket, you know, sometimes you got to be a little physical. You got to take a good foul. You know, you, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. But you got to take a good foul. You know what I mean? Like when you're watching the game, when the Knicks are driving, you're seeing good fouls. Yeah. You're seeing. You're going to let them know you're there. Yeah. You're seeing three, four people in the paint, feet in the paint, waiting for Jalen Brunson every single time. They're supporting anytime Julius Randle has the ball. They're making sure that they're going to meet you with their chest at the rim. Okay. I think that's what you have to do with Jimmy Butler. Especially where we know he's not 100%. Okay, so reacting on a bad ankle, to me, is much more difficult. But if you know where you're going, if you know where you got to get to, you start feeling better, you start feeling... Like, he he started out the game, like, he was, like, in a good rhythm. Like, that was too easy for me, you know, at the beginning of the game. I thought he was going to drop another 50, because when I saw that start to the game, I was like, oh, he's going to ball... But ended up blowing him out. He didn't even need to. Um, that was very disappointing from the Knicks. Speaking of disappointment, the Golden State Warriors, who had all the momentum of the series going into Game Three in LA against the Lakers, suffered a humiliating one twenty-seven to ninety-seven defeat to a very dominant Anthony Davis. 
uh, LeBron James struggled very early on. I think it's the longest he's ever gone without taking or making a shot. He didn't make his first bucket until like five minutes left in the second. Um, and D'Angelo Russell balled out in extreme fashion. Talk to me about this Lakers-Warriors game. What were you seeing in that one? Well, it's very simple. Whenever Anthony Davis comes out and establishes himself as the best player on the floor. I'm worried that we just say the same things every episode because it's well, the well, same well, game okay, plan. Well, well, hey, hey, like. Mo, because that's what it, Mo, I mean, okay, let, let's minus the 25 points and the 13 rebounds. His defensive ability tonight, when he can dominate, and rim protect like he did. I think he had like three, four blocks. Three shots. steals and when four he, blocks. Okay. And then he must have altered that. like a hundred shots. Okay. This is what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what his contested, you know, how many shots he contested tonight. But let me tell you something. They felt his presence. Big time. His, on, the, on the defensive end, he was done. Now, the 25 points, 13 rebounds. Okay. That's going to get all the headlines. But Anthony Davis did all the dirty work. I mean, he was the best big on the floor. It's very simple formula for them. He has to dominate on the defensive end. Now, because of his size, he should dominate, which that's what people are criticizing. He should dominate on the offensive end, especially versus this team. Why? He's the biggest guy on the floor. He's the most athletic guy on the floor. But when he doesn't do that, you can see the difference. So Anthony Davis for all Laker fans, Laker nation. Hey, he was terrific. If he comes out and does that two more times, the Lakers will advance because I don't see any way that they can stop him. Mo, I don't see a player on their team that can stop him. Now, Draymond got in foul trouble tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was a, a large reason why he was able to be so effective because Draymond wasn't able to really get a handle on him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, give Anthony Davis credit when he plays like this, Mo. It's clear to me when he is going, especially on the offensive end, the other parts of his games pick up. And what are you going to do? I mean, he's he's they're throwing him alley oops over the top. He's shooting jump shots. He's blocking shots. He's altering shots. He has he had that mid range going tonight that he didn't in the last yeah, game he, as he well. Completely, ru- he was he he was the most intimidating player on the floor without question. Yeah, and so- he dominated. And when he does that, that, this is what's going to happen. So an adjustment I like from Darvin Ham is early in the game, he put Austin Reeves on Steph Curry, taking Jared Vanderbilt off him and putting Jared Vanderbilt on Draymond Green to try and disrupt that two-man game, saying, okay, cool. If you run screen roll with Draymond, we're just going to switch Jared Vanderbilt onto you, who we know you don't want guarding you, right? So instead, the Warriors start to try and go up against Anthony Davis in a screen roll, who was guarding Jermichael Green, which took Jermichael Green from being a catch-and-shoot guy in the corner to being a pick-and-pop guy from three. He didn't make a three tonight. And Anthony Davis did an unbelievable job of protecting the basket and the three-point line at the same time with his wingspan, his speed, and his size. It was a masterclass from Anthony Davis, what we saw on a defensive end. And, you know, after the first quarter, the Warriors were up. The Warriors entered the first quarter on an 18-4 run, took a seven-point lead. But then the Lakers went a 30 to eight run to close out the first half. And that's where the game got away and the Warriors just couldn't get back. The big point of concern for me, uh, number one, they took away Stephen Curry's assist. He went from 12 in the last game to only three of them tonight to go along 23 points, which was a team high. Um, Clay Thompson with three of nine from downtown. Um, The big concern though, is the turnovers. 
they had 19 turnovers. They did an impression of the Boston Celtics from last year with 19 turnovers in the game. And I know a lot of Warrior fans complain about the free throw discrepancy. You know, the, the Warriors 12 of 17 from three, the Lakers 28 of 37 from three. But if you're a three-point shooting team, you're not going to get a lot of attempts. And if you foul a lot, which they did, I think they were like the second highest fouling team in a regular season, or they've been the highest in the playoffs so far, you're going to give up a lot of free throws. So I don't think you can blame free throws as an excuse, but that 19 turnovers is a big point of concern if I'm the Golden State Warriors looking at this game. Well, it looks like to me, Mo, the, the spacing was all messed up. And the reason the spacing was messed up is because, you know, you know what? You, you, when you play it against a great player or a great team, you just got to take away something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for the life of me, I, I, I say this all the time, but look, I, I just say it because I'm I'm sitting at home watching the game. The Warriors are a very principled and disciplined team. And what are the principles? They utilize ball movement and player movement. Okay. And they also live by the principle is if the guy or if the man is open, get it to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. That, that's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's very simple, but very difficult to master. Whoever is open, get him the ball. That's that takes discipline and it has to be one of your principles. They are a very unselfish team. Unlike many teams in the NBA where you get the ball to your best player and you go isolation. The Warriors do not do that. They simply don't do that. They will utilize ball movement to get the ball to their best player, player movement to get the defense moving and then get it to the open guy. Give Coach Ham and his staff credit. So they said, we can't stop Steph Curry. No one's figured that out now in what, 12, 13, 14 years, whatever he's been in the NBA. But what we can do is take away the screen roll because we, the matchup we really want is who? Vanderbilt on Steph Curry. And we know who the Warriors' best screener is, Draymond Green. So it only makes sense that you take away Draymond Green and you live with the offensive rebounding advantage to the Warriors because you got to take away something. Mm -hmm. So I give them credit for that. And you can see that the Warriors were trying to get that slip pass in there, but the slip pass wasn't passing, you know, a slip pass to a big, you had a guard in there who was able to, you know, Austin Reeves and Schroeder and all these guys, they were getting their hands on that. So give them credit. The Warriors are going to see this. I guarantee you they're going to make adjustments. I guarantee it. They'll figure out what to do, and then they'll cut down on their turnovers and all those things. Now, normally teams, especially like the Warriors, will adjust to this. They're just that good. They see things in real time and adjust. But tonight, for whatever reason, they didn't do it. All right. And the reason I think they they didn't do it is because they couldn't get all the way to the basket because of the outstanding defensive play of Anthony Davis. I mean, he simply was outstanding. Okay. He 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 really he really influenced the game tonight. I mean, mm-hmm. it was Big time. It's one of those things where they're gonna have to figure out how to get him away from the basket. Because if they can't get him away from the basket, like they did in game two, this trend is going to continue. Because I don't think there's anything they can do, the Warriors can do, as far as, you know, playing this way 
and without having a threat because they're bigs, Mo. I think Jim Michael Green only had two points. Yep. Draymond may have had two points, if I can remember. And yeah, I think Draymond only had like three points. And he yeah, had like Luna points. only played 15 minutes. I don't know if he's still suffering yeah, with that illness he had before because well, he wasn't well, getting the boards You and whatnot, can't but. put those guys on the floor who can't score. That's what I'm saying. So, both, it's this is a problem because if Anthony Davis has to be occupied, okay, he has to be occupied on that end. Yeah. I thought the Warriors had a good game plan coming out. I thought they were going – I thought they were going for it, right? Early in the game, they won the first quarter. They were up like seven or eight points. I think I might even text you. They were up seven points. That was great. They were going to get, they were trying to get a big lead. You could tell they were playing fast. They feel good about this. And then the the Lakers were trying to play fast as well. My concern was, can they maintain it for a full 48 minutes? But they didn't even need the final 12 minutes of the game. So the other one I want to shout out is Lonnie Walker as well. Um, he gave them 25 yeah. minutes tonight. Big, big forms of him. Great from him to stay ready. What what do I call that, Mo? What do I call that? Unexpected call? contributions. Contributions. You, hey, see it. you know what, Mo? When you see it, I'm telling you, it, it, it's amazing, Mo. It's amazing when you when you get these guys that come in out of out of nowhere. You know what I mean? They just come mm. in and they they give you these, you know. And and, and maybe I. You know, I was looking at the Knicks today. I was looking at the Knicks today, and I was like, this would have been a perfect game for, like, Evan Fournier or Derrick Rose. To play. Yeah, just just to hit some shots. Just to, like, and, you know, I was looking at a match, you know, because to me it's always about the matchups, Mo. It's always about the matchups. You know who was a good matchup for Kyle Lowry in this series? It's mm-hmm. Derrick Rose. Derrick mm-hmm. Rose. Two experienced point guards. Because the experience on the second unit with Kyle Lowry to be – it gives that second unit, they're connected when he's out there on the floor. He runs the show, he distributes the basketball, and he plays the game with a, like a veteran presence. And I was like, that's a good matchup. But again, um, you know, back to the Lakers, I just think right now, you know, they, they need something. The Lakers need another person to step up on the offensive end to occupy one of those guys because you can't get it done. With your four and five only scoring two points. Yeah, the Warriors. Okay. Too. The Warriors. Yeah. You you can't, you can't, especially on the road. I mean, right now, they need someone to get at least double figures to get yeah. the honesty of the or the integrity of the of their offense to be able to run and do what they do if they're gonna, you know, win the series. Well, let's quickly take a look at tonight's games. We've got an early tip, the Celtics versus the Sixers. Who'd you like for that one? And how do the Sixers uh, finally master the art of getting James Harden and Tyrese Maxey going while Embiid is on the court? Because I, you know, we don't Joel Embiid can dominate, but we've seen that him dominating alone is not enough for success. You need some of these other guys to get going. Well, you know, Mo, I I I really don't know. I mean, we've had over 80 games now to kind of figure this thing out. You know, sometimes, well, you just gotta say it. You know, you, sometimes you don't. It doesn't fit. Um, I don't know at what you can do to get these guys going and playing other than to commit to a style of play. Clearly, you can't just say we're going to get up and down and play pace and space and play at that pace, which would favor the guards, talking about James Harden and Tyrese Maxey, but you would really alienate the big guy. Your best, you know? your I mean, best player. You, your best player. So, you know, well, I don't know what you can do. I think they just have to figure it out. You know, you you figure it out. It's always nice to learn why you're winning, 
right now, Mo, if they lose this game, it's all but over. Okay. And I, I and so. I I think that I think the Celtics, I think the Celtics know that. I don't think they want to mess around. Yeah. But I, you know, I I I I know the Sixers are gonna come out with something. Maybe Doc has something that you know we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think the Celtics, I think the Celtics, if you're asking me, I think the Celtics should win tomorrow night. And it's interesting to see what the Celtics do against MB, who's averaging four and a half blocks in this series, to see if the Warriors can take any notes from that when they have to face AD in the paint, blocking all of their shots. So that's the first game. And then we've got Denver versus Phoenix. Last game, Booker and KD combined for 86 points in a narrow victory. Do you see Phoenix pulling off again? Or was that just kind of the one win that they're going to get in the series? Because the first two games, Denver were extremely dominant. You know, Mo, you know what they say about desperate times. It, 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 yep. It forces you to come out and play with a desperate, you know. Desperate times desperate, is desperate measures. Desperate measures, exactly. So I want to give the Suns credit because it didn't look good for them. I, I was, I was like, ah, it looks like a bad matchup. What can they really do? They seem to be getting dominated. Jamal Murray came out in game one, I mean, game three. And he hit like his first four or five shots. I was like, oh, wow. You know, he's playing mm-hmm. well. And, you know, you know, you always expect the Joker to play well. But I want to say this to the Suns. I thought they met the challenge. Okay. They and, did what the Knicks couldn't do tonight. Yeah. They, they met it. Okay. You know, you like to say, when you're going to go down, if you're going to go down, go down swinging. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they laid it out there on the line. Now, in particular, offensively, it's clear what they're going to do now. I don't think there's a counter to what they what they can do. I don't think suddenly now, you know, Cameron Payne is going to get 20 or I don't know who else they'll go to. Um, maybe TJ Warren is capable. OK, somebody like that. But outside of those two, I don't know really what else they can go to on the offensive end. Um, I don't know if this is sustainable the way they play. Certainly those guys are magnificent offensive players. But I give them credit. They're landing out on the line, and we'll see. We'll see what the Denver Nuggets are going to do. I think this game is for the Denver Nuggets to lose. Yeah. I, I think they have the depth. I think they have the team. I think I, they have everything that's necessary to win. However, you know, they got to go out there and do it. And um, so, you know, I, I, I think I'm thinking Denver probably has the advantage. I rewatched some of that game today. Um, and one thing I noticed was, you know, when they throw a double team at Booker or Durant, the Phoenix Suns did a great job of making sure that the other guy, Booker or Durant, was one pass away so that it was an easy feed to them. So that when Denver throw two defenders at Devin Booker, for example, KD was getting wide open catches where he could catch and shoot, catch and drive, make a play. The, the Nuggets have to figure that out because they have to be quicker on their rotations. So if you see your teammate going to double on Booker, you know you've got to rotate over to Kevin Durant to even make it hard for him to catch the ball and make Booker throw the pass over the top to the player that's not one pass away. So that's what I'll be keeping an eye out for in that one. Uh, But we'll be here tomorrow morning breaking it down for all of you guys as we do every day here on the Hoop Genius Podcast. So make sure you subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. The best place to keep up to date with the NBA playoffs. Don't miss out. We'll be back with more. Appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, get buckets.